Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by AJF Plastering with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, South Stand Chum, bearded legend, the daddy-o, the one and only, Mr. Paul Evie. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 205, and this week we're going to have a chat about the Port Vale game, uh, catch you up on what's happened in the past week. But we're not alone this week. Joining us to help us do that is the podcast's main sponsor, who is actually at the game. Welcome back, Adam Francis. Good to have you back. Thanks very much. Good to be here. So, last time you were with us was seven episodes ago, so it seems like ages ago now, following a defeat to Morecambe. Tell us what your views are on sort of where we're at as a club now and what your views of what's gone on over the last couple of months, because it's been a big couple of months for us. Yeah, well, obviously... <clears throat> last time, last time I came on the podcast, uh, you know Fletcher was in charge. Obviously, since then it's evolved. Um, I said on that podcast that about my expectations for the season at the time. I think we was around fourteenth, fifteenth, something like that. And I said at the time that it was probably where I half expected us to be in a mid-table finish, and that I didn't think our squad was the current squad was sort of capable of pushing out the playoffs. Um, unfortunately, it's gone it's gone a little bit downhill since then and got worse. Uh, and that's even with the man- managerial change. So, uh, for me, we are now we are now underachieving because I, I was hoping for a minimum mid-table finish. And at the moment, um, we're now five points off of bottom. Although I don't think we're going to go down, and, and to, you know, it's quite a long way left in the season. So, you know, I know obviously people are panicking a little bit, but the whole relegation fear, I get it. I also think it's a bit hysterical right now, to be honest. I think people need to just chill out and let's not worry about the relegation word. But certainly we are now underachieving. And considering we've made the managerial change, we've started freshening up the squad. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the next few weeks, while the transfer is open, how the squad will evolve. But for me, we're underachieving at the moment. Um, but I said it from... from last podcast and, and I still remain the same if we finish mid-table 12th, 13th even um, I will I would accept that after uh, what happened in the summer not that we want to keep dwelling on that either because I think that's now becoming a point now sooner rather than later fans are going to start saying you know yes we had this trauma yes we had this this terrible tragic event um, but you know it's in the past we've got to move on sooner rather than later you, these tweets are going to come on you know, or people are going to have these opinions on Facebook, or that's going to become apparent. But for me, um, we are underachieving. But a mid-table finish at the end of the season uh, would, wouldn't be a bad outcome, considering what's happened. So you've mentioned the managerial change since your last podcast yep. um, appearance. Ross Embleton is now head coach of the O's. Is he the right man, in your opinion, to lead the O's forward? Uh, okay, so. We were speaking before uh, we've, we've uh, you know come on air um, because of the situation of what happened in the summer. Uh, I believe Ross Embourne is the right man for the job and, and was the only man for the job in my opinion. Um, just because of the unique circumstances that that brought him that job. If Justin Edinburgh had you know God rest his soul still here and he'd been poached by another club, I would go to Southend, do a really bit of trouble, you know, they might be looking to someone mm. like him. Gone to another club, I don't think Embleton would necessarily then be getting this job. It would be a completely different scenario. So, because of the tragic events, and because of the way that, you know, 
the club are still suffering. Fans, players, staff, everybody's suffering. I think Ross Hamilton is the right man for the job and he's the only man for the job. And now that it's all been cleared up and he's got his contract and his contract now has given him that, uh, well, he knows now that he hasn't got a job for life. He's got to do the job like any other manager would, like, like Justin Edinburgh would have had to, because if Justin Edinburgh would have been struggling, his job could have been under threat. And same with Fletcher. So now that he's got that, that in the contract that, you know, there is no safety net, um, he'll be treated like any other manager. But currently, um, I agree with the appointment. Um, unfortunately, results it's a results business and uh, results need to start changing for him. So I guess one way to do that is to bring in some new blood. So yeah. you mentioned this transfer window. So who do you think needs to be brought in to the O's? Are there any positions that you think are vital that need new blood? Yeah, I think I think the fullback position is something that I think is openly Embleton's openly said it that we need a fullback. I mean, um, I think we could do one either side uh, because we've got Lings out injured, Widdersons injured. I know Widdersons coming back, but we've just let a left back go out on loan. Um, so maybe they're looking at bringing in a more experienced, I don't know, but me personally, I wouldn't mind seeing another left and right back. Mm. They've got plenty of centre-backs for the rest of this season. You know, out of them centre-backs, who's going to be here at the end of the season, who knows? Um, I do think we've got enough going forward on the wings. Um, although they're not, it might not necessarily be working with the formation. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing another centre-midfielder, personally, as well. Um, this one C say. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and we 100%, in my honest opinion, need a striker. And the only sort of striker I can compare it to is like a Carl Griffiths from back in the day. Perhaps a striker that he might not work um, hard for 90 minutes, but he's in that box waiting for them tappings, waiting for them through balls, waiting for them half chances. A, a, a quality striker like the Tom Popes of Port Vale. I know we're not looking for players of that age, but somebody who's proven, even if you look at Macaulay Bond, Cooley Bomb was a target, man. A bit like Super Kev. Yeah. So I'm not saying Super Kev didn't work, but you know if he was going to get the ball played into him or the cross was coming in from Cox, mm-hmm. yeah. nine times out of ten, it's, it's, in, the, it's of it. in the back of the net, and you know it's in the back uh, of the net. You want a striker that when they get the ball in the box, they're going to make the goalkeeper work. Um, even because like, Macaulay Bomb, he, if you look at all of his 49 goals that he scored for us, how many of them goals that he had to actually work really hard to go and get the ball to score the goal or they were headers or we need someone that's going to instinctively because there's so many balls going to the box at the minute where we haven't got an instinctive striker so a striker for me okay 100% very good well there's more discussion on this to come later on in the show but as you are here with us um, uh, it's this point of the show where we talk about your your company and sponsoring us so you are a plastering expert uh, plastering and rendering not um, sure about expert. Well, <laughs> this is a plug. This is a promotional part of the show. Um, and you give a 15% discount for all Leighton Orient fans and staff. So if people want to get in touch with you, they can do that by emailing you ajfplastering at outlook.com. They can find you on Facebook via, uh, by typing in ajfplastering or you're at Big Ads LOFC on Twitter. Yeah, and there will be a website. Uh, it's just been designed and, and built at the moment, so um, we'll have a website address for you where people can go on and see plenty more uh, photos. But to be honest, in the meantime, people have only got to look on my Facebook photos um, or my Twitter photos, and you'll see all the range of different um, different jobs we do. 
And you've had quite a few Orient fans take you up on your offers. Yeah, well, right? I worked for um, Simon Johns this week in his house, um, done a ceiling patch up for him. Yeah, to be honest, with you, we've had quite a few, uh, a lot of inquiries, and and it and it's really worked well. Um, it's nice because obviously, as late Orient supporters, I've got a wide audience to to um, to advertise to. You guys have got quite a, a, a lot of listeners, which is why I sponsor the show, um, and it, and it and it seems to be working well. Um, at home to Macclesfield, uh, me and my company are sponsoring that match, which you guys are going to come along with. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. And we've got a full-page um, advert in the programme, so there'll be some other pictures there. Um, yeah, and, and the 15% discount is genuine discount. Um, it's something that... By that, you mean you're not inflating the price by 15% to yeah, drop it down? Yeah, listen... Um, All that silliness. The way, I look at, the way I look at it, and the way I've always run my business is... Uh, no, like you know, you see them on vans. No jobs too small. I hate that. But 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 my, I would do any anything big or small just because the way I look at it is if I do a job for you, let's say it's just could be the smallest job in the world. You're then going to push my number and my work to family, friends. So that's how this. That's why I've decided to do the fifteen percent discount for late Orient fans, just because it's a way of then broadening uh, my company out to. Thousands more people, hundreds more people. So, um, give us a call. Um, let's come around, give you a quote, and uh, I'll give you a discount. You'll get a, a pucker job. I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna lie. We are good at what we do. Um, and if anybody's thinking about, we, we specialise in the silicon render. Um, I won't go to the ins and outs because it will take too long. But it's a really great product for your house. Uh, if you pick the right colour, you've got it on your house for twenty five years, and you've got to touch it. Um, it's a modern way of rendering. Uh, there's loads of photos online, so um, particularly that, you know, people, to get 15% discount on that is massive because um, you're talking thousands of pounds worth of work and if you're going to get a 15% discount on that, you're going to save a lot of money. So, yeah, I'm always um, I'm always around at the club. I'm always in the coaching horses or I'm in the in the gallery after the game. So And at um, away games as well. And at some away games that I'm allowed to go to, yeah, come and see me. <laughs> Amazing, amazing. So moving on into the Supporters Club update and just the one trip to tell you about today and that's to Crew Alexandra on Tuesday the 28th of January. This one kicks off at 7.45 so if you want to go to this one the coaches leave the club at 1.30pm and costs £34 for adults and £31 for concessions. This trip will cost you an additional £3 if you aren't a member of the Supporters Club and if you're under 15 you can travel for half price but you must be with an adult and please remember that that price does not include your match day ticket so to book for this one you can visit the Supporters Club on a match day pre or post match or you can call the travel line on 07722-135970. Yes, you can. So moving on then to just one piece of any other business this week. We were saddened to learn of the passing. It's happened just before Christmas uh, of former Orient manager George Petchy, who sadly passed away at the age of 88. So our condolences to George and his family. Yeah, nicely done. So moving on into the week that was. So course of Monday the 13th of January and the Monday morning started as James D's sensational free kick against Cambridge was nominated for the League 2 Goal of the Month for December and the result will be revealed later in the podcast. Uh, The club announced an evening with Chairman Nigel Travis is going to be taking place on the 30th of January, that's a Thursday night, starting at 7 o'clock in the 1881 suite uh, at Brisbane Road. Um, that's a new one for us so very yeah. nice I mean we said it last week but we'll say it again the amount of interaction that we get as a club from the chairman 
in Nigel, the vice chairman in Kent, Danny mm. Macklin on Twitter, answering all kinds of queries. It's just phenomenal. And it's very brave of Nigel to do that, especially at this moment in time, to go face-to-face with supporters who probably aren't going to be as happy as what they previously have been under Nigel's mm. leadership. So I think that's going to be quite quite an interesting evening, that one. But that's going to be right at the end of the transfer window, so hopefully by then we'd have done all of our business. But I've still got people coming up to me, like Orient fans coming up to me and saying about the Nigel and Kent interview that we did post-Ross uh, being done, that it, it helped them, because of the communication from the club, that it actually helped them change their... or placated them in, in, in some way and... and uh, allayed a lot of the fears and reservations that they had so you know to get this sort of level of, of openness only Darren McAntony and Andy Holt are the only other two chairmen that I can think of off the top of my head that, that are as communicative as, as our guys <coughs> Can I say as well like <coughs> I know the evening, you're, you're mentioning the evening with uh, Nigel Travis uh, but one you know you're talking about interaction between um, the, the board with you guys I have to say and I don't it's not a plug f- Plug for Danny Macklin. I'm not. I'm not doing it to get brownie points. But I have to say, Danny Macklin um, gets a lot of stick online. A lot of undeserved criticism, in my opinion. Um, we know that sometimes he's trying to charge us for just the fresh air we breathe at Orient. Sometimes, but at the end of the day, he's trying to make the club sustainable. But if you approach Danny Macklin via Twitter, uh, in person at the ground. He will always, if he's got time, stop, chat with you, speak about your concerns. On a few occasions this season, I've tweeted him about various things and he's helped me out every single time. Yeah. Uh, even down, and this is going to sound really silly, um, but at the start of the season, my partner had ordered an Orient Beach Town, an official Orient Beach Town from the club shop. Didn't arrive in time. We was going on and I messaged him. He contacted me straight away. He was out in the post within within a day and we had it before we went on holiday. Um the level of interaction with the ball to the fans is... I know everybody was really concerned when, with the whole managerial thing with Ross Embord and it went a bit quiet. I don't think we could have any better people running the club who will openly talk to you. And Danny Macklin is one of them. And the club, uh, I've got to be honest, the club should be extremely proud of the work that he does because okay. I, think, um, yeah. I think he's a, an excellent CEO personally. Good point. Good yeah, point. very good. Not directly, so we're staying on Monday the 13th of January, not directly related to Orion, but fan favourite, we couldn't uh, not mention this, fan favourite Gabby Zakouani, signed for our neighbours Dagenham and Redbridge, having yeah. been released from Swindon. So to who I choose then, on the 14th of January, it was a quiet day mm. at the club with no news to report on the Tuesday. So then we'll move on to Wednesday the 15th of January, the club announced the launch of the Leighton Orient TV app where fans can stream O's games on their mobile or tablet devices. Yep, Thursday, 16th of January. Quite a busy one, this one. Yeah. Started with a uh, happy 40th birthday to O's director and friend of the podcast, Matt Porter. Happy birthday, Matt. Yep, welcome to the 40 Club. Jamie Turley posted a picture uh, of himself outside, or posted a picture of the outside of the Princess Grace Hospital in central London. With the, with the message, time to get fixed on his Instagram account, while his wife, Katrina, uh, Karina, sorry, put up a video on her Twitter account of a post-operation Jamie smiling. He's about to tuck into some afternoon tea, actually. It's quite posh there. Uh, and in the <laughs> evening, Jamie tweeted a very kind thank you message uh, to everyone for their lovely messages, saying he's now back home and focused on recovering quickly 
and fully. And we wish you a speedy recovery. And it also transpired that it was the other side of his groin being done this time rather yes. than a reoccurrence of the one that he suffered last time. So hopefully that'll be a speedy recovery. Maybe the club will put out a rough idea as to when we might be able to expect him back. Big below that one, I think. I think Massive. he was doing really well in the game against Grimsby. He, was at, he, was at, he had a great first 20 to 25 minutes before going down injured. Yeah. And it was a shame because he was just coming back and starting to cement his place and we were looking more solid. Yep. I think at the back with Turley. 100%. So a big miss there, I'd say. I, th- I thought it, when he came back from injury this season, it was like a, a new signing, signing. Yeah. to be honest. And um, <clears throat> I think uh, when I went to the Oldham game away and he'd, he'd just got back into the team. They'd started him, that was the first time. I think that was the game they dropped Coulson. And because uh, it was quite, quite, there was literally no atmosphere at Oldham whatsoever. Every time we went out for a ball, you could hear him grunting as he was heading that ball. I literally puts every ounce of his soul through that head as he heads the ball. And you can't ask for no more than that. From any player that goes onto that pitch, to, to, to every tackle, every shot, every pass, just do your best. When you've got a centre-back that tackles back, tracks back, runs, and he's a fast man. Apparently, he's the second <coughs> fastest player at the club. After Brophy, yeah. Um, so... He's going to be a real sore miss. And, and, and on that subject, I was a little bit disappointed personally that the club didn't put nothing out. But to be fair, with Elliot Byrne leaving at the moment, I think they're going through a transitional period in the media department. And perhaps whoever's filling the role or they're trying their hardest to carry on with their media um, jobs, perhaps that wasn't massively on the priority list. Yeah. You know? So I know fans have got a little bit aggy about that, but you know, you've got to give the club a little bit of a break at times, I think, personally. At 7pm... The club announced that what we exclusively revealed on the Sunday before is that James Alabi has joined Eastleigh on loan until the end of the season. Alabi put up a lovely tweet saying, we'll never forget the support, we'll never forget the good and bad times, we'll never forget the love, we'll never forget getting promoted, we'll never forget what we done, and we'll never forget you, Gaffer. Harlow Orient tweeted, we had a lot of tweets off the back of this, but in particular, there's a couple that we're just going to read out now. Said, Harlow Orient said, Grimsby away. What a moment. Thanks for that, James. Yeah, Dan Alton, 2590, said, always gave 100%, but it's best for all parties. At Smoko said, we'll forever be part of that squad. Nice move for him. Hope he does well. Yeah, so from us at Orient Outlook Podcast Towers, we wish James Alabi the best of luck at Easter. He started yesterday, he'd done 90 minutes in their 2 0 defeat. Um, at home to someone uh, to Chesterfield okay. but Alabi you know never quite worked out for him although I am going to miss that <laughs> song and you know the thought of running on the pitch had he ever scored at Brisbane Road which just would have been could you imagine if he ever did score at Brisbane Road oh. what would have happened it would have been amazing yeah. I actually think Incredible. the song would have come true as well, didn't I think it? the song would have come true I literally think we'd have been on the pitch yeah. I think uh, it's a shame with Alabi but I think I'm not really one for openly criticising players. He, he, for me, from day one, you could see that he wasn't... He, either he's not good enough or he's not going to fit into this team. Um, there was an error there from whoever, whoever makes that decision. The scouting, the whole thing behind it, it just wasn't right for the club. He may not go to Eastley and <clears throat> bang 15 goals in for the rest of the season. Who knows? He didn't fit into our style. It didn't work. And uh, But the good thing for him is, let's face it, it doesn't matter how... If he had a poor game or a bad, nobody really 
Because he'd become a bit of a cult hero, didn't he? Nobody, yeah. nobody slaughtered him, so that's nice. No, in theory, we should be, you know, slating him or, you know, really glad he's gone because I think he's two goals, I think he'd scored in, in the season and a half. That, uh, Dave Mooney got more, more stick than he did and Dave Mooney scored goals for Leighton Orient. So, uh, yeah, good, good luck to James and yeah, I true. hope it works out for him. Yeah, good point. <laughs> and in, in the evening, rumours started to circulate that we'd made a, made a sign-in. We'd signed defender, defensive midfielder, Us Cisse on loan from Gillingham. So that was the rumour. So let's move on to Mooney Friday, 17th of January, and an early start for this one. As at 7am, it was announced that with 56% of the public vote, JMD's free kick against Cambridge was named December Skybet League 2 goal of the month. So well done to JMD. A few more of those, please. Uh, Jordan, a few more of those top corner beauties that the keepers aren't getting to would be, would be morning sweet for January Absolutely. and February. So it was a busy afternoon. Firstly, the club announced that Shadrach Ogi has joined National League side Dover Athletic on loan for the rest of the season and we wish Shadrach all the best there. And I've got to say I was slightly surprised at this one. Um, as left back is a position where we don't really have depth in in terms of our only fit full back or left back, sorry, is injured in Joe Wilderson and we've been playing either Dan Happy there um, at left back or left midfielder bro so I do see the benefits of Shadrach going on loan you know he's going to get first team football he played away yesterday at Notts County and kept a clean sheet which is a great return in his first game for them Um, and if it makes him a better player and benefits the club as you know Satoru has obviously gone out got the confidence and manned up or whatever Mm -hmm. now he's in the squad so Mm -hmm. if that happens with Shadrach Fair enough. And it seems that we are now establishing a nice little relationship there with Dover and Hess and Tyler. Mm. But I did think, could it? Could we not have waited for like three weeks and then just... Because National League, there is no... Transfer window. Window. Mm-hmm. So you go, right, keep him. And if we need to play him, play him. And then he can go in February. But I do I do get it. I, I mean, for me, um, I, every time he's played, I thought he looked solid. One positive uh, outcome is that he, at least he's only dropping to the, to the National League. So the, for me, when I see it... <clears throat> These players they go out alone. They start lowering them out to to a few tiers below that, and then every sort of six months they come back to the club and they go every. They keep making that step up. So like Saturio, he's gone just a step down. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we had to bring Saturio back. There was a, I think it was uh, they looked like it was going to be short up front because of injuries. Hopefully, Shadrach could go there for the rest of the season. I, I'm with you, Steve, on that. The concern because uh, James Brophy. He's not a left back. Um, he can't defend for, and he got absolutely. Well, I mean, we'll go on to that later. But the right winger absolutely gave him a torrid time. Even the Port Vale fans were tweeting about, you know, that, that their right winger was giving him an absolute torrid, torrid first half. I mean, he he struggled. So I am slightly surprised we 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 moving on a left back, unless the club are looking to bring one in. Um, when we've got an injured left back and we've got Happy who who, who could he should only be playing centre defence because he is you know he he, he he mops up and sweeps up all the rubbish he can't do that on the on the left hand side uh, and both is a, a left winger he's not a left left back so I am slightly surprised at that yeah well, yeah, cool. uh, yeah no I'm I'm inclined to agree with all of that really it took me by surprise because like you say we've got a left winger playing at left back. And we've got a left-back who seems to be suffering a lot of injuries. So surely, if you've got a naturally left-back, a natural left-back... And he did well against Southend in the, in the, in well the, in the trophy. End, yeah. like he kept a, a better player than what he's coming up against in our league. Very, very quiet. The guy tried to do him several times and Shadrach had him in his pocket the whole time. 
I'd be inclined to give the kid a go. Personally speaking, I don't think it would stunt his progress or do his confidence any harm to, to have given him a go. I don't think we'd be worse off for it. I feel like we said before on the pod, if he's good enough for the bench, and he has been on the bench a couple mm, of times this season, times, yeah. then he's good enough to, to, to play. Start. Perhaps, um, I was talking about this to a fellow supporter on the way, travelling here, perhaps... When Justin first came to the club, he was really concerned about playing the younger players when we're struggling, and he, he didn't want them to have that f- to affect their, you know, their mindset going forward. So he like he moved the goalkeeper out, Denny Fabril, and he he didn't tend to play the youngsters. Maybe perhaps is yeah. is that what what line they're looking at? They don't want to expose him too much too soon. Who knows? Yeah, good point. We have got a few tweets on this one. We mentioned one from Ollie underscore Sonnenfield, who said, "Does that mean the left back is coming in?" I know he wasn't getting used, which was frustrating, but it's a position we're severely lacking in with Joe Widowson injured. So that's about um, Shadrach. And then yep. at three o'clock came the news we'd all been expecting as the club revealed that 28-year-old Gillingham midfielder Usi Cisse has signed for the O's on loan until the end of the season. Us, uh, in his, po- in his um, club interview, said, I spoke to Nigel Atangana. And he told me that it's a good club and I would enjoy myself and that's what I want to do. Enjoy myself and improve myself. And it's not often on this podcast you'll get a quote from Steve Evans, but we're going to use one who said, we wish us the very best of luck at Leighton Orient. He's a great lad who was very well liked by everyone at the club, but with first team chances limited, we felt it was best that he went out to get some regular game time and I'm sure he will do very well. So for me, I think he could be the type of player we've been crying out for. I mean, everyone's saying we need a a number four, a central midfielder who's going to battle and win you the ball mm-hmm. and drive you forward. So I've got quite high hopes for him, really. He's bloody massive. Um, six foot four. Six Big foot boy. four. It looks like he played quite a vital part in getting MK Dons up just last year. Um, so yeah, for me, fits the bill. He's got experience lead two. Got promotion last season. Decent age. League one capable. And he's, he played, I think he played, <clears throat> well, on Wikipedia, right? it shows appearances. It doesn't show you how many of them are sub, but he played 58. 60 games for, yeah. um, for MK Donsons. Uh, like we were speaking before, I was, I was absolutely fuming about this because I was working in one of his teammates' houses on the Thursday when the news had broke. I already knew that this was happening and I was all proud of myself by tweeting it that you know I knew for a fact that CSA was joining. I won't name the player as house I was working in because uh, he showed me a private, private WhatsApp group I where I see it. I think I did, did, on it. <laughs> did, I? Oh, I think did okay. name the player, but that's fine. Allegedly. Um, <clears throat> So uh, I put it on Twitter and then uh, looked on Twitter to realise that it was pretty much yesterday's news that everyone had known in the morning, <laughs> to be honest. So um, I thought it was a good little scoop from me, but there you go. <laughs> much harder. Harder Arrow social media. And somebody asked me, do I, did I give this football a 15% discount? So just to state, terms and conditions are only current Late Norwich players, <laughs> staff and supporters. If you decide um, you don't want to support Late Norwich tomorrow, you no longer get discount. Yeah, <laughs> um, I really like Nigel Atengana, so for me, if he's as good as Atengana... I remember, Remember your little love with Atangana. Oh, I've yeah. happily had Atangana back. Because I don't think he's really he's settled. At Cheltenham, isn't he? Exeter. Oh, he's gone to Exeter. Yeah, so he's he's at, he's at he was at Cheltenham, but now he's at well. Exactly. Well, he's doing well. They're doing well. So, you know, if he's as, if he's as good as Nigel Atangana, and what what a nice thing for Nigel Atangana to to do. Um, well, we think this is you know, six foot four. He shouldn't be getting out muscled on things. Big and strong and commanding. Fingers crossed. He's just exactly the type of bulldozer that we need someone that's going to break up counter attacks and really assert himself in the middle and allow other players to hopefully get us forward and keep us up the pitch although I do think a little you know 
us later on for supporters don't seem to be blessed with much patience, do we? But I think people have got to be a little bit patient. I'm sure we'll talk about it shortly, but um, his part in the goal could have he could have done a little bit more. Bit more but, yeah. but people have got to remember he's only played two or three times for Gillingham this season so far. So you've had what twenty odd games. He's gonna be he'll be fit because obviously he's had all that time to train. But he will be match. He won't be match sharp potentially. So he might make the odd mistake, but I. You know, if you're getting a, a like you say, a League One standard player, um, it's going to be better than what we've God. potentially what we've got, and we haven't got that tough tackling centre centre or CDM, what we're going to call it. Yeah. So, fingers crossed, this 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 works out. And obviously, like the other loans where we're sending players out because they know that they're probably not going to be at the end of the season. Likewise, he's coming to us with a view that if this goes well. Um, he'll be signed over the summer, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So lots of tweets came in. We'll mention a couple. Barker's seventy-two said, "Strong, tough tackling midfielder. Exactly what is required. Looking forward to seeing him in action." George Nicholas underscore one said, "If we'd landed ourselves that missing link in midfield now and can keep our forwards fit, I see no reason why we can't push on and have a strong back end of the season." Yeah, so most fans, I'd say, generally quite happy with that sign. For once. Yeah, so Saturday, 18th of January. Time for the main event in Port Vale away. And before the game, we ran our normal Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one. And after 257 votes in 24 hours, you voted as follows. It was very close, actually, looking at the Mm. results here. 30% thought the game would end in a draw. 33% thought that Orient would win the game. And the cynical lot came out on top again for the second week running as 37. I'm going to own up, unfortunately, I was in the cynical lot. Uh, I went with a draw. How oh, did you vote? I voted, you yeah. Voted. I voted for a draw. Oh, yeah, man. absolutely. So thanks to everyone who <laughs> voted in that. It got to two o'clock and the team was announced with Sam Sargent in goal. We had Judd, Coulson, Happy and Brophy across the back four with Marsh, Wright, Kiprianu, Jandy across the middle, Wilkinson and Angle up top. Uh, with substitutes of Vigoru, uh, Ekpiteta, Clay, Cisse, Dayton, Harold, and Sitorio. Yeah, so that meant there was only one change from the starting 11 against Grimsby as Miles Judd came in for the injured Jamie Turley and recent signings, Lawrence Vigoru and Cisse, were named on the bench. Your view? So for me, I may have started Clay over Heck doing this one. I thought Clay looked hungry when he got on against Grimsby, which he hadn't been looking previously, and I thought when he came on against Grimsby, he actually looked really sharp and had a really good impact. Mm-hmm. So a bit surprised not to see Clay started. I put down, and again, we, I write this when the team's announced, Brophy has to get forward at left-back and get at his man early, as if he doesn't, he'll face a difficult afternoon. And I'd expect to see Say to feature at some point on my points. What about you? Um, half expected this. I don't expect there to be many changes, although it is interesting, like you say, that he's kept Hector... Uh, given the impact that Craig did have when he came on. But I'm pleased he's showing, Ross is showing faith in Hector. Uh, he didn't do a lot wrong. It's just Clay had a good impact yeah, when he came on. Um, still don't get why Ogie was let out on loan when we need a left-back. Brophy isn't that guy. And from what I gather, he doesn't like playing there either. Um, he's underutilised at left-back. What, what, what did you think? Then, when, or what was the general consensus? Because obviously you were at the game. <clears throat> uh, to be honest, it actually didn't get um, discussed that much. Um, I think we was all in the pub and office were looking at our phones, so I didn't really learn the team news until they got to the ground. So it didn't really get discussed too much. But my, my own opinion on the the, the outfield 10 is I, I didn't expect anything different like you, Paul uh, and Steve. I didn't expect anything different um, expected. But what I did expect to see is Vigoru to start. I'm not saying that he should have or I think he should have. I just expected him to see him start. Because let's make no bones about this. They've not signed Lawrence Vigoru 
to be the substitute goalkeeper. He has come to this club because they believe he is the man, in my opinion, to go and go, to be in the sticks. I don't see it any other way. So all they're waiting on is international clearance. The only way he's going to get Matt Sharp, unfortunately, being a goalkeeper, you're not got um, play, yeah. is to play. You're not. You, we don't play a lot of reserve team football, from what I gather. Um, I don't know how that really works. There's not a massive amount of reserve team football these days. It's not like the old days. It was a reserve game every week. Um, played, at, I think, down at Brisbane Road, or at a church, or every other week. So the only way he's going to get sharp is by playing. And they've talked him up. I expected to see him, but do I expect to see him next week? No, because after the way Sam Sargent played yesterday, which again we'll go on to, um, I'd be shocked if he's dropped. I wouldn't be surprised because, like I say, he's been signed to start. Mm. When we're signing players, we're bringing in players, like any team, you're not going to sign a player to be a squad member. You're going to sign a player because you expect them to better the team. So that was my only surprise, that his international clearance would come in uh, and he weren't put back in the team. Cissé, I wasn't shocked to see on the bench because he hasn't got that match sharpness yet. So he's going to... He might even be a sub Tuesday night. For you know, it, it could take a couple of weeks before we see him actually start a match, unless he comes on as a barnstormer. But wasn't too shocked. Just just the goalkeeping side of it. So we mentioned it last week, but we're starting to get a lot a lot of tweets when the teams are announced now. So keep those coming into us at Orient Outlook. So Graham G one four eight four three nine five two tweeted us and said quite happy, gutted for Tells to be out again, but another chance for Miles to shine. One Adam Conway tweeted in saying, Brophy's 100% our most dangerous player. Why, oh, why, oh, why does he ever play left-back? Please, someone. Yeah, MS Aurea. So to be honest, that is not the way to set up the midfield away from home. And also, times I have seen Jordan Sweeney play left-back, he has been immense. Why not give Jordan a chance? Shadrach also deserves a chance in the squad. And Brophy is wasted at left-back. Uh, Paul Skinner, 88, tweeted and said, I don't understand Brophy in defence. We've got more options than that. He was at fault for the last goal, uh, for the la- for the goal last game. He's not a defender. At Leighton underscore Eus said, Clay in for right. Clay drives us forward and right drives us sideways. PM31970 said, would have started both Cissé and Vigarou. In terms of this tweet, Billy Herring came back and said, you don't know how fit Cissé is, plus Sarge hasn't done a lot wrong. I think we'll see CSA off the bench and Vigarou in the coming weeks. And also, we did play well last week. So thank you for all the tweets we received before the game. Like we said, we're getting more and more. Yeah, but going back to your goalkeeping one, I think it would be harsh on Sam Sargent if he was taken out of the yeah, team for Lawrence so. Vigarou at the moment. I think, I think that so. would probably do him more harm than good because he's not done much wrong, to be fair. You could argue, like, could he do better? Yeah, everyone can get an extra 1% or 2% in a game out of you, but at the bottom line is is that it's the people in front of him that aren't doing him any favours. Yeah, my only concern with uh, Sam is I've seen a couple of goals, and I'll, just, I'll pick one one out particularly, the Morden Tiptree uh, FA, Cup. FA Cup, where Jordan Slew's run the entire length of the pitch and scored. He's got to have done better with that one. And, and then there's one other. Week. Um, the, the lob last week was just naivety. He didn't need to come for that because Happy Coulson were there. They may have not been keeping up with Billy Clark, but but he was still quite a long way out. So if he's on his line, he weren't going to have a dig from there. He was going to have to take a touch. And let's face it, Happy, you give up, you, you you take a touch in front of Happy. Happy sweeping it up. Happy's been pretty good with that. So it was a bit of naivety, and, and Billy Clark's just got that sort of goal scorer's instinct. Um, and, he, and he's flipped the goalkeeper but there's been a couple of saves that I think he could have he could have done better with but no, I agree I mean at the end of the day he's at that age now where he, you know he should be a number he's 22, 23 yeah. maybe is he 23? 22 22 
at 22 years old, if you're going to be an established League 2 goalkeeper, how many teams have we played this year that have had 22-year-olds in goal and have all had good games? A lot, there's been a lot of young goalkeepers in goal against us this year. Mm. So at 22, you should now be establishing yourself as the number one choice. And if you're not the number one choice, then you're either not good enough or you're not fancied. So it's just down to Sam to keep Lawrence out. Yeah, good point. Good point. So the match kicked off at a cold Val Park where he was looking to build on last week's encouraging performance against Grimsby in Ross Hamilton's first away game since being appointed full-time head coach as Paul Val looked to bounce back from their disappointing midweek away defeat to Morecambe. And it's fair to say Port Val started the better of the teams as Sam Sargent was called into action in just the second minute as Will Atkinson found himself one-on-one with Sam. But fortunately, Sam made the save. Yeah, it was. I've, I've watched it back on the highlights today. At the time, when you watched it, how the guy... I just don't understand when a striker is within the six-yard box, why they're not just putting their laces. Because they're, by the time it, they've hit that ball, it's past any goalkeeper. You're not going to sky it over. The likelihood of skying it over the bar is slim. I think it was just a bit more of a... A cross has gone in. We've not cleared our lines properly. And it's taken, a, again, one of these lucky deflections or hit someone's back and rolled in front of the guy with the whole goal. And he's hit it straight at Sam. I mean, Sam spread himself... Fantastic save because if you're going to go one nil down after two minutes, at the moment all the way we're playing, it would have been a long, long day. Yeah, massive save. A long day to go one down that early. A great save. You'd be looking at a very difficult and long afternoon. The sergeant yeah. was in action again in the seventh minute as he saved the header from Nathan Smith in the eleventh minute. Probably our best chance of the game. Certainly for the first half. As Josh Wright had a chance to open the scoring, but Scott Brown saved his prodded effort from close range and I think we've talked about being clinical in both boxes, in both boxes for the last numerous Four episodes months. and when you get those type of chances you need to put them away and I think Josh probably knows he could have done a bit better than mm. I think when you're uh, when you're in the away end any ground a lot of the time you're behind the goal so when it goes down the other end even at, even at our place we sit in the south stand so it's happening up in the north end it might from, from back there it looks like it could be more of a half chance um, but when you watch it back, I mean, again, I, I know it was a confidence issue, but as the ball comes across and he's, he's trying to prod it with his right, you know, surely again, left foot, put your laces through the ball, you're that close to the goal. You're not going to You're going to hit the target. Bad, I mean, yeah. um, and going back to the chance before, I don't know if you was that chance or, or, or we've missed one out, but before that, they had a cross going to the box yeah. and Judd was absolutely awful. I mean, the cross come over, he, he just didn't even look like he was interested and let their player, who probably weren't much taller than him, climb up and head the ball just wide. And again, that, if that goes in, that's on seven minutes. It's a, lot, it's a long day. I mean, the first 10 minutes, defending was poor. What's the mood like in the away end at this point? Uh, to be fair, the atmosphere started off right. I started a few songs off myself. Um, the atmosphere was okay. Um, I don't know whether it's just because you, you, you're sort of accepting that these days at the moment that we're just not playing well. I mean, um, the atmosphere was trying to get there, but then once the first 10 minutes and they were getting a bit of a foothold and early doors, their right winger is absolutely slaughtering uh, Brophy at left back. David Amu. Yeah. It starts going a little bit quiet behind the goal and then and then you, you hear, the, uh, you know, we missed that chance. We, we, if we score that, that, if Josh Wright puts that in, again, <clears throat> early doors, they've started well. They're coming at us straight away. You keep because they were uh, they were a reasonable crowd. They were pretty vocal. But you score that goal after eleven minutes, shut them straight yeah, up. Yeah, it's yeah. A, again, it's a different game. 
we talk about um, fine margins, we've got to stop talking about these fine margins and start making these fine margins like count because if, if Josh Wright puts that in, maybe he was off balance. If you watch it on the highlights, he's slightly off balance. He's slightly, he's slightly stumbling as he hits the ball. But for me, eight yards out, which is probably what he was, mm. you've, got, you've got to be at least hitting the target. So. I agree with that. I think he'd be very disappointed with himself there, actually. I think if he had the presence of mind, he... For me, he lifts that over the keeper. Yeah. We're, we're ahead. Uh, although, I'm not suggesting that's easy. I've never played football to that, to anywhere near that sort of standard, so I wouldn't really know. But it was against the run of play as well. They start, they came out of the blocks and started really strongly. So, But it's against the run of play that's often caught us out. So we need to start doing that back to people. Yeah, good shout. Not much goal map action, I think, to talk about for the next 20 minutes. Not that we've got written down anyway. In the 37th minute, JMD picked up a yellow card for standing directly in front of a Port Vale free kick and it seemed like the match kind of was starting to fizz out a little bit I've never understand this with players it's so petulant behaviour I'm not saying that he's uh, guilty of it all the time so, um, from from what I can just you know my memory of, of him in games it does not something but footballers seem to do this thing where when a free kick gets given they, they, they put themselves in front of the ball but try and make out like they're trying to walk to their position you know the minute you walk in front of that ball you're getting booked and so it's such a stupid yellow card that I can't understand why managers don't abolish this with their players. Find the life out of them. Say to them, if you get a needless yellow card, I'm, I'm literally going to dock you some wages. Because at that point there, let's say later on in the game, he, he you know, when we're ch- you know, chasing the game, we need a goal, and he makes a tackle and mistimes it, that he is a yellow card. He's then getting sent off. It's such a needless yellow card. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um... I don't think there was really much of anything stand out post that, um, to be honest with you. So there was a minute of time added on. Amu drilled the ball at Sam Sargent, who'd had a good first half. He managed to gather the ball, and then the half-time whistle went, and we went in nil-nil at half-time. Fair reflection, would you say, based on the game, or, sh- or should have we have been trading? I think there's a few um, people who tweeted it could have been, it could have well, been to all. Other than, other than the, the Josh Wright chance, the highlights earlier on showed uh, Lee Angle having a point-blank shot saved. But what they don't show is... The line, I'm pretty offside. sure, it was offside. It was offside. Yeah. Um, although, again, from six yards out, offside and offside, you could be beating the goalkeeper. Uh, the Port Vale, for me, first half, other than our chance, if Port Vale score one, I know people say oh, they should have been 2 nil up, but it doesn't work like that, does it? Because if they score the first the one, yeah. you restart the game, the whole, the whole complexion of the game yeah. changes. Yeah. But they should have been up, and then when they need to take their chances, we should have been up. Um, but again... Straight away at half time, everyone's having the same conversations that we've been having for weeks. The formation is just, it's just wrong. It's not right. We're 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 just concentrating getting the balls down the wings, and we're playing one up top. With that one up top, if we're only putting the ball into the box to one bloke, to the angle, and we're missing him, it's not getting to anyone else. Yes, Wilkinson drives into the box. So if we're crossing it from the left, and he's playing out on that right side, he drives into the box. So that's fine. But when it's the other way around, I don't see JMD making that diagonal run into the box like Wilkinson does, does the other side. So I think to all intents and purposes, we're lucky to, to go in level, but also on the chances, we're also unlucky that perhaps we didn't go 1-0 up ourselves. Yeah, a great building block, I guess, at half-time. Ross will say, look, 
we got in at half time nil nil. Let's go and nick a goal, which was the game plan for most games away last but, season, where you get it nil nil and then you'd come on strong in the second half. But this has become a, a, another thing and a, another apparent thing lately that it just seems like our mentality and the way that we set up is just getting at half time nil nil. We we really need to have our own identity. Not and, I, and Ross has even said it in his own some of his post match interviews. You know, like first thing we we don't want to concede a goal. Well, just go and win the game. Like don't worry about. Don't concentrate so much all the time on what the other team, how they're set, set up. If we just set up to try and attack, we've got some really... Although I said at the start, I think we're only going to finish mid-table, we still have got some really talented footballers. We've got some really good players out there. Mm. Just not using them to, the, to their strengths, correct? Like, like, like you say, Brophy at left-back is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, JMD, he can put a really good ball in the box, but... Just doesn't do enough for ninety minutes. I'm not saying it's a massive argument, and people may slaughter me for this because you know some people will really sort of go on about his stats, his assists, but it's off the ball stuff. You you know if you're just going to put a few crosses in and that's it, and you can make sure your air's okay, that's not that doesn't mean you're going to be. It doesn't mean that you're you're a great player because you've got to put a few balls in and you've got a couple of goals. You've got to be you've got to be on it for ninety minutes. Like you've had from the front, right? Yeah. For JMD, yeah? Yeah. Martin Ling sat where you're sat right now and said that Jordan doesn't offer you a lot going backwards, so he'll be judged on what he does offensively rather than defensively. And if he's not putting in either enough good crosses or taking enough shots or scoring enough goals, then it will be absolutely, um, it will be absolutely against him come the summer when we're deciding who we're keeping yeah. and who we're not as to, well, you haven't contributed enough because if you're not giving us anything at the back, then you've got to be delivering up front. Like you, I, I, I played football young when I was young, but I've got no, you know, played football at a, at a high enough level and I've not got no coaching badges. I know certain people say, oh, I've got coaching badges, this, that, the other. So I can only go on how I see the game. If we're going to play and set up by getting the ball out to our wide players, but them two wide players are part of the three up top, it, I don't know, just the logic behind getting the ball into the box when you've only got one and maybe two, like I say, if we cross it from the left, you've got Wilkinson bobbing in at the back post, but if you're crossing in from the right, JMD just sometimes can't be bothered to run in. I'm not saying that's the case, but that's how it looks. Every time you're limiting, you're just playing balls into the box, there's no one there. You, if you're going to play 4 3 3, play a proper 4 3 3 then, so you know you've always got play, put three strikers there then. If you're going to you know, I. I, for me, I, it's disjointed. I don't, I don't understand the formation, and I pray to God that we change it sooner rather than later because I just don't think the players. I don't think it works. It's going to be a lot more talk on formations once we get to full time. So don't worry, we're not cutting Adam off. We're just getting ready to speak about it in a lot more detail very, yeah. very shortly. So Wilco three hundred, who was at the game, tweeted us said, "Good game. Both teams playing well. Port Vale having the better." We've had chances and are well in it. Just need to go over the offside or at half-time with Angle. And there <laughs> I say it, we could dot, dot, dot. Uh, attendance so, was announced at 5,047. Decent number. 327 of you. 326 plus you. Uh, in the away end. So this amazing number. Cold, horrible January. Team aren't doing very well. Well played today, 327. That's a long, that's a long say, day. I have to say as well, been to, over the years of sport, I've been to a lot of towns and cities and there's always something to offer. And, and this particular place, um, I don't mean this to sound disrespectful, I really don't. If there's anybody that listening who've got family who live in the Stoke-on-Trent area, 
it's not the most appealing of places around the ground. There is literally, you know, where the pub we drank in was 10 minutes down the road. It's not a lot. And from what we're told, you're not made welcome locally around the ground anyway. So to have 320 was bitterly cold. I mean, mm. I got up and it was cold leaving Essex. And someone said to me, however cold it is in Essex this morning, it's going to stay that cold all day up there. And I was like, oh dear. And it was bone chilling. I'm not going to lie, I was freezing. <laughs> well done to the 327. So Yo's kicked off with no subs in the second half. And George Marsh almost opened the scoring in the 50th minute as a JMD cross. Uh, he was set quite well by Angle, who strong, held off his man, played it into yeah. JMD. He crossed it in, the ball came out to Marsh just inside the box. He cut inside his man, called a shot, had Brown beaten in the goal uh, as the ball was about to head into the top corner. James Gibbons headed it off the line. Typical. If we were top of the league, that goes in. Goes in, no, no doubt. Great block for their man Gibbons, but so frustrating because if that goes in, different game we're talking about. See, see that phase of play as well. I'm a massive um, advocate for, for, for wingers playing low balls across the box. I don't think we do it enough. At home, James Brophy sometimes can bomb down in front of us in the south stand and you just want him to just hard oh, a low across the six-yard box. Yeah. Even if it are, take a deflection, defender could deflect it in yes. and then he just back posts it and then no one there. And when JMDs went gone through, I don't know, the way that looked to me is if that was something that maybe worked on. That if he gets down the wing, play it hard and low across the box, and if and because Angle was being marked, hold his man off, and whoever's there to mop it up. I mean, George Marsh could have done no more. He controlled the ball, the technique was superb, yeah, he bent it into the top corner. Defender makes an absolutely world class. Um, yeah. No matter what level of football we're at, for that guy to have made that effort, to head that off the line, don't get me wrong, it's his job, I get that. But that was a, but for me. That was there. a world class um, bit of football from from a League Two player to get that off the line, and he and he hit it. Couldn't do no more. He didn't even do a ball off, did he? he didn't even put his hand out and tip it over the bar. He had to do it with his head as <laughs> he, well. He literally couldn't do any more. But it was two inches higher to goal. Yeah. Um, because he had missed his head. Missed his head. But. Miles Judd went into the book in the 58th minute following a high boot. I didn't see a high boot. That was uh, it was high. It was high. It was slightly late. He was late. He clattered the guy in the end, but he did win the ball first. If that's an away player at Brisbane Road, yeah. we are all screaming for the red card Although, all day long. Red would be harsh. I'm a bit of an old school football fan, if I'm honest. I believe football's become so hairy fairy. Like yeah. for me, yes, it was a it was a little bit reckless. I don't think it's a red card, but I agree I with agree. you, Steve. You do that down at down at Brisbane Road, we are okay. like, we'd be going absolutely Garrett at, <laughs> at that rest. Like their home fans were going Garrett in. Yeah, as you'd expect. But it did show a bit of Judd's naivety and a bit of his ill discipline. He has got it in him. Although I don't mind a player with a little bit of ill discipline. Uh, not in, in the right way, if you know what I mean. I like a player He got caught to, in two minds, didn't he? Because he yeah. was gonna stay and then he went. But but the, the stupid thing is he's not the tallest of guys and the ball the height of the ball could have headed the ball anyway. Yeah. He, he, he had to work harder to get his leg up that high. He could have just put his head through it and then maybe he would have got clattered and got the free kick and have gone the other way. Yeah. Um four minutes later there was a chance for Port Val that Sergeant blocked the effort from Cullen. Yeah, and I think you made the note saying Port, it seems to be more and more Port Vale now, so you're getting a sense that they were starting to put a yeah. bit more pressure if, and look. If this is the chance I think you're you're referring to, again, it was a ball into the box. Miles Judd slipped, stumbled, but then he had the ball at his feet and he tried some stupid, audacious turn and in doing so, 
fluffed his lines and, and it literally deflects off his own leg. I think he even tried a Cruyff turn in the, in the, in the eight, just eight yards out from goal. This is, this is a chance about two minutes later you're talking about. But yeah, but no, again, Cullen is saved by Sargent, but Judd didn't do very well on this one. Yeah. I would have subbed him immediately after that and I would have pulled him straight off and said, are you, are you, for, you, know, are you absolutely for real? <laughs> we, we can't be doing things like that in the box. Not, no footballer should be mucking about with a ball like that in the box because again Sergeant came out and he was <clears throat> he spread his body and he saves it um, you know just for me it's Lucky. just them stupid things like that that you shouldn't be doing because if you could see the goal from there you know we're talking about the defeat in a different way because it's an absolutely ridiculous goal okay okay so that was that chance so double substitution followed for the O's shortly after as Hector Kipriani was replaced by Ususise who made his debut and Miles Judd so he did come off pretty straight after was replaced oh, okay. by Craig Clay maybe Emberton thought exactly what I was just thinking <laughs> <laughs> so did Craig Clay play at right back then um, do you remember so I read it was Clay at right back Brophy at left back well the, 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 the weird thing after that or we'll maybe perhaps go on to that in a minute was uh, it all swapped about a little bit because I, I actually if I'm honest I was bitterly cold and um, concentrating on trying to stay warm but um, all I remember about this point of the game or it might have been um, once we go one down uh, Brophy then goes in an attacking position so it might have been at that particular point that he stayed at left back OK um, Lee Angle uh, took a booking for tugging his marker shirt in the 69th minute and I think it's probably fair to say it was coming as Paul Val took the lead in the 71st minute as a corner came out, was crossed back into the box. The ball eventually fell to David Amu, who twisted and fired a shot through CSA's legs, curled into the far post, giving Sargent no chance, and it's 1-0 to Paul Val. So a good good finish there. I think defensively frustrating, because we probably could have done more yeah, to like stop the shot. We spoke about CSA um, a short while ago. He... He's not going to be match fit, match sharp. Not match fit, sorry. Match, match rusty. So a few people online have said he should have done better. So I've you know, watched it back today. Yeah, he should have done better. He, although you don't see it in the camera shot because the camera goes sort of, uh, you don't see it properly. He does lose his marker, but he does then get back in front of him to block the shot. Now, people may agree with me on this. They may disagree. Yes, he shouldn't <clears throat> have lost his man, but he then made the ground up to get in front of him before he took the shot. That guy's then hit the ball through his legs. Now, the two ways you can look at that is that's a, that's a massive amount of luck for a start because if Cissé just, you know, tried to put his body in it a different way, he's blocking the shot. So he made the attempt to block the shot. It's gone through his legs and it is a great finish. That's one way you can look at it. The other way you can look at it is if you're Sam Sargent and you've got six foot four who's to Cissé in front of the ball, by the time that ball's gone through his legs, you're, that split second, that little um, half a second, whatever, is... That's affecting the way that then Sam Sargent sets his body up to go for the shot. So I'm not saying that Sam Sargent would have saved it if Usa Cissé weren't blocking his view. But he'd be but, halfway down anyway, wouldn't but, he? But he would have been expecting the ball a lot more. And, and I said this about when we, we when I was on last time about that Morecambe goal. I guarantee you give that ball to David Amu and he does that 10 more times. He don't hit it that yeah. sweet. He swerves it, puts it in the stand. He hits it hard, put his laces through the ball... Sam Sargent's reaction time might have been impaired by Usa um, Cissé. Usa Cissé could have done better, but he's still got them back in front of the ball. I'm not saying that he, he made up for losing his man. 
but arguably that's come from their corners and it's then pinged about and we've allowed them time to put that ball back in yeah, our area. And again, the clinical element that we were talking about earlier just seems to be completely devoid when we're defending because we just seem the corner comes the in, we head it out. They have three players in, a, in an arch waiting for that ball should we pump it out that they are there to mop that up and then pump it back in, keeping us under pressure. It's then come out to Amu on the right. He's just smashed it. Yeah, arguably, Cissé should be doing a bit better there, maybe. Yeah. Maybe Coulson should have done better for the earlier header that he's cleared out. Maybe Sargent should have gone down sooner. But it's a whole catalogue of, of issues, and we shouldn't. We, we seem to keep talking about teams are punishing, a catalogue teams, of issues. Yeah. Teams are punishing us for this, but we don't punish, punish other teams. No. Ever. Ever. We're never talking about the fact that that wasn't a great goal, but I'll take a one-nil yeah. win. Yeah. I'll take a scrappy one nil goal. Ever. It, it's always it's always reverse. So goal down, twenty minutes left to play. Seventy-fifth minute, we've taken this from the Port Vale Twitter account. They said the finest of rewards <coughs> for a persistent performance from David Amu. He's given the Orient left back a torrid time down the right hand side and his efforts are rewarded with a goal. Yeah. Seventy-seventh minute we make our final substitution as Liango is replaced by Matt Harold. Right decision? Yeah. Um I was going to say earlier on, um, he got booked for tugging his man. He did, yeah. I, I think Liango, because of the formation, he's not being used in the right way. I think Liango is a very clever player and could potentially be mm. um, a player that's going to get us 15, 16, maybe even 20 goals if he's played the right way. But what absolutely grated the life out of me yesterday, he's, and I've noticed it in a lot of games, all he does is look for the foul. So as the ball is pumped into him, he's continually backing into his defender. And instead of just worrying about taking the touch, turn the defender and go past him, because which he's got that great turn of he, he can turn a player. Yeah. You're gonna get fouled anyway by turning the player if you you know Because he's but, gonna but, stick a leg out. But at least turn the player and try to, to then go forward in an attacking manner. I don't know whether it's a tactic or whether he's told to do it. And if he's told to do it, 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 it needs to be stamped out quickly. Because Against Grimsby, the referee weren't interested. Yes, they weren't interested. Another game before the referee's not interested. He's doing it really early on, a bit like Mooney used to do. Bless his heart, Mooney. He used to look for the foul, and the referee's either gonna he's gonna be with you on it and think, yeah, right, he's getting tugged about, or he's gonna turn. Once he turns against you early doors, you ain't getting nothing for the game. You are getting zero. Uh, Matterold, he does it a lot, doesn't he? But at least he tries to make an attempt for the ball. Brave thing. But, but for the entire game, Liango just concentrated far more, for me, on trying to draw a foul sort of about 30 yards out. Whether you're then going to have a strike on goal or you're going to try and chip the ball in for a, for a header from, from the resulting free kick. But constantly, for the 75, 80 minutes he was on that pitch, other than a, a few really neat moves, which he did do, there's no, you know, he's got... Mm. There was something about him he just looks for fouls and uh, I was quite happy to see him come off if I'm honest. But do you think that's because Liango isn't a lone centre forward? He's not. In terms of, if that's Conor Wilkinson looking for fouls, he's bigger, he's stronger. If he's going down, the referee thinks about it more and goes, actually, he's probably been pulled down there because he's a big lad. Angle isn't as big. Um, so if he's going down, he's just going to go, well, you're too weak, mate. Trouble as is a referee. Well. So if you're going to go for the ball and... You, you're already looking at the referee as you're going down. If I was a referee, I'd be looking at him and say, you're already looking at me while you're going down. You're looking for this. Yeah. Just, if you're going to get fouled, go down because you've been fouled. Don't look for it. You know, 
it was it's boring. irritating. It was boring. It? I put yeah. it on a tweet. It, it, um, it was boring. So not impressed with Angle yesterday, and I think again we've got lots of discussions to come about the formation. So nothing much to mention after the seventy seventh minute until the eighty eighth minute, as a James Brophy cross was headed. So it was heading into the top corner. It kind of took a swerve in the wind, and their keeper Brown had to do well I thought, to claw the ball away because that could have easily gone in. I've got to be honest, once the changes got made and Brophy went to attacking position, we were far more dangerous. And that, that ball he's put in there, whether the wind's taking it a little bit or not, I think Brophy's a clever, a clever player. And I think he purposely put that right... I don't think he meant it to, to go as central as it went when the goalkeeper had to make the save, but I, I certainly think he was aiming for the back post but lofting the ball up high because Matty Harold was on at that point, was he? Mm -hmm. We covered that. Mm -hmm. uh, and you still got Connor Wilkinson on to come in and just absolutely power home. In the end, the goalkeeper's he's had to make a clever save and he was he was switched on. Uh, Brown, he weren't a bad goalkeeper, to be fair. But once Brophy went in a attacking position, the balls he was putting in the box were just a lot, you know, they were causing problems. And uh, that was a prime example of a, of a, of a perfect ball onto the back post. So a few shots were blocked from Connor, Wilkinson and JMD and there were five minutes of injury time. Connor Wilkinson went close, he had a shot that was well saved in the 91st minute. I think Brown had that one covered, yeah. but that was a camera save. I think, the, I think the, um, the highlights make it look better as well, um, like, yeah. it, like it was closer than it was. I mean, the goalkeeper had it covered all day long. Yeah, Josh Coulson was booked in the 92nd minute and despite a late corner, the O's couldn't find an equaliser as we slipped to another defeat, leaving many O's fans genuinely concerned with the club slide. But even there, bang on the final whistle, if you watch the highlights, as the cross comes over, all JMD had to do was put his laces through the ball, completely miscued it, and as soon as he miscued it, the ball bounced out of the referee blue final whistle. We could have scored. If that was a striker, a proper out-and-out striker, they're, they're, they're pressurising the goalkeeper. It was eight yards out, or something like that. Eight, it was a penalty spot. And uh, he hit it into the ground and scuffed his lines. And, and yeah, and the referee blew the final whistle. Disappointing. Disappointing. So Ross Embleton spoke to Dave Victor after the match. He did. We do have the full interview, but we're quite conscious of the time. So just a couple of quotes that we'll pull out. Ross said that we didn't give ourselves enough of a platform to work our way into the game. And he went on to say that we didn't impose ourselves in the game and we weren't good enough today. I had listened to this in full. Ross also makes mention of the... Uh, potential transfers coming in over the next week. He also mentions a potential tra uh, uh, formation change for uh, for coming up uh, for this week's uh, two fixtures, quite important fixtures as well. People might be pleased to know. But the full um, the full interview is on the club website. Yeah, so go and check it out. So that loss saw the O's drop to twentieth now in League Two. We've played twenty seven, won six. Drawn nine, lost 12, a goal difference of minus 11 and on 27 mm. points. So we'll go, you can go first. The positive way to look at that is we've not lost in 15, not lost 15 of our 27 games. Where we've <laughs> lost 12 as the tumbleweed floats yeah. past. Right, yeah, like, for me, for I'm really like fed up with talking about losses. It's about time we won a game. It seems such a long time ago that we were sitting here talking about a win. Cambridge. Yeah. Christmas it's, special. It's just, it just was, seems, it just seems such a long time ago. Yeah. Like, it wasn't that long ago, but it just seems like it. It was. It, I'm a bit of a loss, really, where where we're going wrong outside of what we've, sp we've spoken about. I mean, we've said that Brophy's not a left-back. Val exploited that by their own tweet. 
There's nothing really from the midfield to help really support the defence or spring an attack. We still seem to be a little bit headless chickeny uh, in the box. Um, we seem to be devoid of in-game management. We can't score at the moment. So again, goes back to being clinical um, in both boxes. And I guess, yeah, ultimately, the fo you know, the formation is probably what's what's really not helping us and, and, and suiting the team. Ross has got a very big week coming up. There's no hiding from that. There's no two ways about it. We've got two games coming up against arguably informed teams, teams that are pushing at the right end of the table here. Um, they're both at home. They're both at home, which means that you're going to get 5,000-ish people in there, majority of them being Orient fans, who will make their feelings very well known if we don't get two decent results out of this. Now, these are two games that you'd argue that you wouldn't expect good results from. But had we have had some good results previously, you could allow these two to maybe be a little bit indifferent. But we can't afford to do that now because we're too far down the table and we've only won... We've only won um, six of our six of our twenty seven games, which is far from acceptable. Which so is one in sixteen, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, no, one in five and a half, one in four and a half. No, Adam's saying we've only won one in game 16, out of the oh, last in 16. sixteen. Yeah. yeah, sorry, yes, yes, that's right. Which is which is not acceptable. So from our perspective, from my perspective, just to finish off, the pressure I think is going to be ramped up if we don't get good results, and changes will need to be made in the playing personnel sooner rather than I think later. For me, I think I've said it before. I'll say it again, the formation does not work for the type of players we have. Now, I'm not saying 4 3 three, 3 is a bad formation, but you need to have the players that can play it, and we don't have the players who can play it. Or it's yeah. not the formation that needs to be played for these players. I think Ross is a clever man. You know, We've had him on many times in the pod. He'll see these things. Like I've not heard the interview. You said he's alluded to it. Um, but we were under the cosh from like the second minute. Like you said, should be a goal down after yeah. two minutes. Uh, and again, we've spoken about being clinical in both boxes. Josh has to score that goal in the 11th minute from his opportunity. I think we can all agree that Sargent's played well. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, Vigaru is going to have to wait a while longer, I think, before he plays his well, first game. I, I think Sam deserves to stay in the team, whether whether that's the whether that is the, the decision that Ross makes, because like I say, they've signed Ross, to, I think they've signed, uh, signed Vigaru to be the, the number one choice. So... But yeah, I think after based on this weekend, Sam definitely deserves this. Yeah, I mean, I'd expect at least another two players this week alone to come in. And if you're taking any positives from this game, I think it's probably going to be there'll be more urgency to bring in players this yeah. week yeah. based on that result. And it's January, and I'm really loath to talk about the R word, but I will mention it. But if we carry on like this, and if we carry on losing games 1 0 on by the odd goal, not being clinical, and Stephen Edges are starting to win 4 0. Yeah. And your Morecambe's are starting, starting to improve to a little bit. Yeah. And Macclesfield only losing 2-1 at Colchester. If we don't take something from the next five games, right? So, Northampton, difficult. Newport, yeah. difficult. Crew away, very difficult. Stevenage away, Macclesfield at home. Stevenage away, Macclesfield at home, turn into six-pointers. And if we don't take anything from those two games, then we are real, in real the shirt. deep do-lally. Don't... <laughs> get me wrong and I don't want to talk about that because it's January and I've sat around this table a lot of times saying Orient are too good to be relegated and I've seen it happen twice all under different circumstances but for the first time on Saturday when that full time whistle went I thought yeah okay we, we could be we're not we, I wouldn't say we are but we are sliding very fast towards a relegation battle yeah. and that's with only one place if it was two, I'd be a lot more nervous. Can you imagine if it was two? The meltdowns would be it seen. It will be next year. 
Well, let's hope we're not in this position next year. Adam, you were there at the game. Any views that you want to... Yeah, I think that the, the game's coming up, like you, you pointed out. You're, we've got two home games in a row. Now, what? In, this is, again, my opinion. I might get slaughtered for this opinion. I'm not telling fans how they should and shouldn't behave, how they should and shouldn't tweet. But we need to now, as a, as a fan base, get behind. We've got two home games to get behind the lads. But have that sense of realism with the position that we're in. Yes, we've got two home games. Yes, we're playing... Uh, Northampton, I think, are, are doing OK. Yeah. Newport are above us in the table. Northampton are in We the have to remember the league position that we're in. Forget forget the, the, the top eight budget that Martin Ling spoke about. Forget that, because in my opinion, you could sign the 16 best players in the league or 22 best players in the league to, you know... To, to, to go out there and try and win that league. But if they don't gel as a team, it might not work. Forget the budget. Forget the expectations of everyone had. We are now currently a 20th place team. And every team that we play every week, apart from the teams that are below us, are above us in the tables. They've got better results than us, which means they're doing better than us. That's how I see it. Would, on a usual, I'd say it's a four point. We've got to get four points from two, these two home games. I'll take three. I'll be honest, I'll take three. I think we're a struggle at crew. Um, and and uh, Stevenage away is a massive game. A few weeks ago, I remember when people did start mentioning the relegation word. You know, I'm thinking to myself, you people serious? We're like 10, 12 points clear of relegation. What's the matter with you lot? We're now five. Yeah. Five points away. Mm. And the, the biggest thing that, that surprised me is when we beat Cambridge 3-2, the second half was extremely forgettable, don't get me wrong. That first half, it all clicked, it worked. We've gone down to Cambridge, you know, doing well. They're doing all right, yeah. yeah. And we've smashed, they had literally no, no attempts on our goal, we, really, to note in the first half. We literally played them off the park. But we never pushed on from that. Since then, we've never pushed on from that first half. The second half has pretty much been the, um, the way that the rest of the games have gone. We're not taking chances, we're not... Now, Ross talks about, you know, we create enough chances. How many, apart from this weekend and, and Grimsby, how many games are we actually making goalkeepers work? We really need, I really hope Ross does. It's the only thing I, 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 I am in massive disagreement with is the, is the formation. Um, and, and, I, and somebody said yesterday, and not again, I don't I'm not mention names, but, you know, he said to me after the game, I didn't think it was as bad as everyone's making out. Yes, we had enough chances, but it's off the ball. We, we are off the ball when the players haven't got the ball. Some of them are not working hard enough to track back, to get into a position, you know, when it's when the ball's in the box and it could break. You should have them players waiting, willing, waiting for that ball to come to then create an attack. Like all these teams come down to Brisbane Road and do it with us. How many corners we see going to our box and all of a sudden the ball's going up the other end and they're having an attack on goal? We don't do it. It just doesn't happen. I really feel that... The formation potential has got to change. Um, and some of the players, and I'm not going to name the players um, because I'm not a big believer in it, um, because they all read social media. They've got families. And some of the comments that I've started to hear over social media and, and after the game yesterday, I didn't see it myself, but I was told today that there was supporters down the front swearing at the players and, and Ross. You know, people need to get a little bit of sense of um, realism and, and respect people there's no need for that um, we need to as a fan base support the lads on Tuesday we're not going to have if we get 5,000 great I don't think we are we'll there's going to be more like 3, 8, 3, 9, 4 yeah. 
get behind the team. Let's try and get as many points as we can. But I think, like you say, these next four games, you've got 12 points on offer. Got to be two wins and... Uh, Got to be two wins out of it at least. I take if someone said to me they have six points out of your next four, I take that. I take it now. Um, yes, one team goes down, and I don't believe this board is even going to remotely allow us to go down. I know people are having little doubts. I don't think we're going to go down. I think if any fans are listening and thinking that Nigel Travis and Kent T aren't talking on at least a daily basis, if not hourly basis about how they're going to get Leighton Orion up the table then I'd be absolutely amazed these men as they've said many times on the podcast daily conference calls they'll have plans they'll have players they'll be talking to Martin they'll be talking to Ross I am absolutely certain that the board aren't just sitting there in the US not doing anything they will be talking and communicating and planning you know, I'm guilty of it on social media. There's been times where I've sort of called people out for this, that, and the other. But so, you know, the 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 mood on social media. I'm not on. Uh, I don't go on Facebook. I have Facebook, but I don't go on it. The only one I use is Twitter. The mood on social media is so toxic. Everybody's having this dig at each other. You can't have this opinion, 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 opinion. Um, and it is spilling out now into the home games and the away games. I remember going to away games and win, lose, or draw. Orient fans would be. A realistic bunch that we're not going to come here and you know we're not always going to win but they'll be singing the atmosphere now is spilling from social media into the stands and if it's spilling into the stands it's going to spill out onto the pitch there's no there's no real when you go to Orient that these days there's no you don't feel I know the players and, and the manager go oh the fans are unreal today I think they just say that just to be politically correct because we're not unreal at the moment we're, all we're doing is getting on the team's back you know I think that I'm not going to name names again on Twitter, but there are certain supporters that really need to just calm down. Calm down and support the team. We all know that Ross has now got no safety blanket. All these people that are still going on about his appointment, he's the manager. Deal with it. Accept it. If it doesn't work, he's not going to be the manager. And then you'll get all your wishes. The new man will come in and... Then you can hate I hope, <laughs> I hope for their sakes that when the new man comes in and they get who they want, that it works. Because if it don't work... You know, what are they going to be like then? Yeah, good point. So you've mentioned social media, and again, we have had an immense amount of views. So thanks to everyone who sent in their feedback after the Port Val game. Just because we read them, and just because we play them, so about to play something uh, means we don't agree with them. So we haven't encouraged this in a couple of years, but an Orient fan, Mark Schaffer, who we know, asked if he could send us a voice memo to play, and we are going to. So we will be asking for voice memos going forward. So this is what Mark Schaffer had to say after Port Vale. Am I concerned and worried 100%? We're in a serious relegation dogfight. Um, just around us, we've got Macclesfield, uh, Morecambe and Stevenage that have been picking up points lately. Um, it's very worrying that we could be facing um, National League football, but with the correct recruitment and the right people coming in, I still believe we are good enough with what we've got to um, finish 14th or 15th. Am I concerned and worried? Yeah. One win in 17 is a complete disaster. The formation and tactics in recent games have just not worked. Back to basics with a 4-4-2 is a simple way of trying to find results. 
recruitment and director of football was growing on me a bit. Massive errors have been made with players and the appointment of Cole Fletcher. We need to find a winning formula quick. So sometimes 140 characters just isn't enough. So if that is the case and you want to get an email or voice memo over to us, you can do so. DM us or give us an email, orient outlook at outlook.com. We will tell you how to do that and we'll be plugging that going forward. We don't yes. uh, also do that. We've also got an email in. We have Glenn Bevans emailed orient outlook at outlook.com. He said, today is the first time I feel like we're actually going down. It just feels like there's total complacency around the whole club. No rush to get a manager in. No rush to get proven players in. Same formation every week with players out of position, like moving deck chairs on the Titanic. I think there's an implicit arrogance that the owners think we're too good to go down. We are sleepwalking into relegation here. Just can't see where enough wins are going to come from. That said, buzzing for Tuesday. (laughs) Come on, Orient. (laughs) Thank you, Glenn, for the email. Like Paul said, you can email us at orientoutlook at outlook.com. So it's time to go to Twitter. And as you'd expect, lots of concerned people voicing their opinions on Twitter. So at JoeJessner16 started off by saying, Embleton out, way out of his depth, and he's sleepwalking into a relegation battle. And I've stood by Martin Lynn because of his rebuilding job. But if Embleton and Fletcher are the best two candidates he's found in six months of recruitment, he can be on his way as well. Gary Talbot 7 said, Apart from 30-odd minutes at Cambridge, we've been pony for months. Being less poor than Morecambe is not a plan at all. Alan Reese 2 said, Bang in trouble. Judd should have been sent off as well. As good as he can be, he is a bit of a liability at times. Once again, didn't cause any problems until we were losing. Stop playing our best attacking player at left-back. Les LK 52 said, Been saying it for a long time and been ridiculed. We're in a relegation battle. The players are just not good enough, and let's be honest, we're sleepwalking this season because only one team goes down. But you know what? It's looking more and more likely it'll be us. A lot of uh, sleepwalking comments. Yes. El Cuado. So not going to get two down over a 1-0 away loss to a top 10 team, but things have to change soon as this is relegation form. Also, can we please abandon this one up front now? Yeah, there's a lot around the formation there because Jagsy1971 says, even watching the post on Twitter, you could see it coming. Ross spoke last week about getting Connor nearer to Angle and proceeded to stick him out wide. Based on the players we have, it's screaming for 4-4-2. Really worried we'll go down again. Ardy Manda said, if I have to watch another nothing performance from this team, I will lose it. Need a break from this horror show. Every game, wait to go behind and in desperate hoofball to equalise. Try and find some positives from that in a smiley emoticon. Uh, no, that's no, the eye Are shocking, the eyes. Uh, eye <laughs> shocked eyes. Uh, Gold931 said, This is ridiculous now. Another loss, one win in 16, and a good win for Stevenish today. Are we just going to hope that there's one worse team than us and try and hope we stay up? Very dangerous game. Oh dear, Walshie. So we need some new signings, not to improve the team, as I thought the quality is there for the league. We need players to feel under threat and having to work hard to get in the team. We have the look of a team that knows only one team goes down and they're never getting out of second gear. That's a good tweet. Yeah, or in Fan TV said, simply not good enough. Five points off the bottom of the table now and any fan who thinks we're not in a relegation battle now, must be living in cloud cuckoo land. Two home games coming up and anything less than four points will be unacceptable and the board need to wake up before it's too late. Jay Bourne says, you have to feel for the forward line who are feeding on scraps of chances. Clay and Wright just do not create anything and are too lightweight. And I'm sorry to say, but Marsh is just not that good. 
Uh, Vince Howard 73 said, Ross, if you're reading or listening to this, wake up, son. 4-3-3 isn't working. Your stubbornness might see the club relegated and you out of a job. Takes more of a man to admit when you're wrong. Trousers a Techno said, with Stevenage winning, we need to take the blinkers off and realise we are in a relegation scrap. This is a big week coming up and no wins will see the current setup end as it is not working. So he said, should see the current setup end. Not sure I have any trust in us recruiting anyone better though. Who would want the job now? <laughs> Dear Stu said, we're hurtling towards the bottom spot, which is very worrying. Dare I say it, the game away to Stevenage in a couple of weeks is a six-pointer. Lose that and we could well be back in the National League next season. The Borden Lingy wake up and smell the coffee beans. Think a new Twitter address to me. Barry P. 75116238 said, someone once said doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome is insanity. I think we have confirmed that. Another good tweet. Good tweet this week. Nigel Lad-White said, The season turned into a car crash when our weak owners and board allowed continuation of the clique mentality engulfing the coaching and playing staff rather than showing strength by taking a difficult decision to allow Fletcher to bring his own backroom staff and players in. I disagree with so much of that. Digger H7730466. As Ross keeps saying, he wants to make the team hard to beat. All very well. But we will not beat anyone if we do not score goals. Teams are beating us are not that great. Ross must be more positive going into games. Garden Courtman, new one for me. The team is lacking confidence and the lack of creativity is a big problem. There's an over-reliance on Joby last season. He's been a big miss this season. Everyone talks about a couple of wins turning this around. But it's not going to happen for a team with one in 16. At Lomax underscore Chris, not heard from him in a while, says, I was at the game and the thing that worries me is that Port Vale were not very good and we failed to test them in any area. One good chance from us, defended off the line and a last second effort are all we've come away with. Not good enough. Veggie Jones said, Perspective, Port Vale have only lost one at home all season. Five of the next seven fixtures are against teams where our chance of winning are far greater than they were today. Imagine they will be targeting at least four wins from the next seven, and if they achieve that position, it would look a lot better. Pandemonium 1881 says, From what I read and see, the players have nothing in them. No drive, no passion, totally apathetic nature. Let's not argue about one fan who says we are going down or we are okay. We all realise that no matter what the overall quality of the team, we are far too horribly close to the bottom, and God forbid we get relegated under stable ownership. Finish off by saying, can't buy a goal at the moment and the players need to take a long, hard look at themselves. Go 4-4-2, simplify it, roll up the sleeves, play for the badge and ensure we do not give our fan base kittens. Kai Showing said, match statistics speak for themselves. We had 45% possession, but they had almost double the shots we did and had three times as many shots on target. We had seven squandered corners to their three. Poor Angle stranded alone again. We need to snap out of this mindset. And the final word this week goes to Dean at underscore seven cops who says time to go 4-4-2 with the ball, get it, get it wide and get balls in the box. Defensively, become 4-5-1, get good distances between the back four and the midfield four. No pockets of space for players to exploit and be very hard to beat. It sounds clever to make. Can I just make a final point on that 4-4-2 four, four, thing? Um, Again, don't want to keep going on about it. The, the, the guy who's out was working then, the Chilean footballer. He, we had a conversation about for, formation the first time I worked in his house. And he rightly pointed out to me, um, and it, it was, you know, it's only something I just thought about saying, that you, no footballer 
but sort of at League One, League Two level, needs to work on the formation of four four two because four four two has been embedded in them from a young age all the way through. It's a basic formation. Four four two is the most basic formation. So if Ross says to the team this week, "Listen, guys, we're switching to four four two," the point he's trying to make is then players don't need to work on that formation. If you're two centre midfielders, you've got two wingers, two centre halves, a right and a fullback, a right and a fullback, and two strikers up top. All of them players know their position. With these other formations we're playing, they've got to work at it. Because, you know, like, for instance, JMD is playing on the left side of that and he doesn't always bomb into the box, which is what he should be doing because it's not something maybe that's in, in, ingrained in him. And also, I'll make a point about social media. When you, you read out these social media, I, I love all of the different um, opinions. It's brilliant. And, and if we all just took people's opinions and, and, and we all sort of run with it, it'd be great, but it doesn't work like that way. But also, if you're going to put an opinion, again, you know, it'd be a little bit controversial. If you're going to put an opinion online, but someone then has an opinion on your opinion, don't slaughter them for it. Because if you're going to put your Twitter out there for everybody to read, and if somebody doesn't agree with you, the minute they don't agree with you, they're not a snowflake. They're not a this. They're not an effing that. You know, come on. Like, if you're going to put a tweet on, I've done it and we're all guilty of doing it. If you're going to put a tweet on, put it on there knowing that someone may not agree with you. So when people say, I'm not allowed an opinion, you are allowed an opinion. But people might have an opinion on your opinion. There's no right or wrong in an opinion. No. Good so, point. So let us know if you agree or disagree with any of the opinions that we've read out. Um, you can let us know what you think. You can tweet us at or in Outlook if you don't know that by now. What have you been doing? Or you can email us or in Outlook at Outlook.com. Or you can find us on Facebook. Just search or in Outlook podcast. We are also on Instagram, although not really the platform for messaging, really. But we are Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast. So prediction league update. Then we have three correct predictions coming. So David Lando seventeen, Steve White LOFC, and at Paul We underscore UK correctly predicted the correct result so that means the top of the prediction league is as follows so on top jointly on 16 points are East London XL and Spenno 0-1-1 with Floodgates very close behind on 15 points and on 13 points Steve Chaplin 4 so thank you for all your predictions before yesterday's match so moving on then as we record today on Sunday the 19th of January very happy birthday to Orin interim media manager Dan Walker happy birthday Dan and earlier before we started recording the club announced that there will be a minute's applause prior to kickoff against Northampton Town on Tuesday night in memory of former Orient manager George Pecci. So let's wrap this up then. We're coming in at a whopping hour 25 at the minute. It's a fantasy football. Andy Chalk's top of the podcast, Fantasy Football League, on 1,415 points. Ahead of David Cummings in second place on 1,370 points. Steve's drifting at 157th out of 285 players. Getting better. but not Yeah. Better. Dream, dream team. team. Yeah, yeah, so our Hawks top of the Orient Outlet podcast, Dream Team League. He's got 1,338 points. He's only four points ahead of Ben Boatman in second place. So I'm in 27th place out of 87 places. Well. Time for positives and negatives of the week. I'll let you do positives again. Okay, just a couple this week. Transfers in and out uh, in the last week Ross, as Ross looks to to reshape the squad. It's good that we're seeing some movement now. Yeah, I mean, I think we all probably expected Alavi to go. Yep. I don't think there's anyone who's Gorman. surprised by that. Gorman, yeah, and Tissé 
on paper credentials look good like you yeah. said probably needs a bit of time to yeah. get match fit but and this is the time player. now to the players that are not going to be part of because Emmett was already looking towards next season so those players that are not in his plans yeah. um, if there's room to move them on so he can bring other players in that are potentially going to be in his plans to sign I don't I don't envisage us signing anyone full time. I think we're just going to bring loans in with a view to permanent. And, I'd, and, I, and I think I wouldn't be too shocked if we see a Premier League or a Championship youngster coming in. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see that. Again, looking at them players, they might be players that the club know that might be getting let go by them by them said clubs. Not saying George Marsh is going to be let go by Spurs, but there might be players that agents are putting their youngsters out, saying that, you know. <clears throat> Arsenal or Spurs or West Ham this player's sort of going to get released at the end of the season and maybe look to secure a club at League 1 or League, League 2 level so I expect us to maybe sign one or two uh, youngsters from a higher level yeah good point negative second. Uh, sorry second uh, positive obviously the travelling support as we said earlier yeah like we said everyone's still turning out on a cold horrible mm-hmm. day and their team ain't playing so only two positives this week negatives we do have three of them. So first up, another yes, loss, yeah. making it now just one win in 16. So lots of concern tweets coming in about that stat. We've mentioned it before, the second negative, only five points off the relegation place. I think you said it was 12 a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, someone when I did. Looked, like, so. when I, the last time I looked, I don't really stare too much at the, uh, the table, if I'm honest, because we're no, not where I, I want to see us. No, neither do I. I don't bother looking. But now you're only five points off. Yeah. <laughs> Scary, isn't it? It is really. That's why people are losing their money. Have, have Macclesfield points already been deducted? Yes. Yeah, so that, so that's not like they've got yes, another it's 12 Macclesfield, I only found this out at swimming, so thank you, Matthew Turk, for this. Macclesfield had six points deducted, so they really, on the pitch, have gained 30 points, but they're on 24 due to their so six points, points deduction. Yeah. Yes, they would have done. Yeah, they'd have been all their troubles. They would have been above us. Jesus. Yes, Jesus. and the last negative uh, for this week is Jamie Turley's injury. We mentioned it earlier, but Massive I think that is going to be quite a big, big yeah, loss. We'd expect it. Like you said, no announcement from the club, but he's had a knock. It's got to be at least a couple of weeks. That has got to be, if or not a month. I would, I would say that gives Coulson, Coulson is down now up to Coulson to now he's regained his place although he was back in the squad last week anyway it's now down to him to, to, to keep his place yeah it's his shirt to lose absolutely so let's move on then to hero of the week or should we say heroes of the week so this week's heroes of the week are 327 fans who went to Paul Bath well done Adam well done good effort very very good I effort. think we must mention Sam Sargent who I think did play very well yesterday come second twice come second he played, twice he played, he played, he played he did exactly what he was paid to do yesterday. He yeah. done it well. He like, he didn't have a lot to do with aerial. Uh, they didn't put, um, from what I remember, if if they did put a lot of aerial balls, it didn't come nowhere near him. But uh, the, the saves that he needed to make were out were outstanding. And I think he's unlucky with the goal. I think he should, you know, his his sight of the ball is is blocked. So uh, perhaps if uh, he'd had a clear view of that, he might have set himself up a little bit differently and maybe a palm that away. Yeah, it's a good strike, uh, wasn't it? Good strike. So next week's fixtures, we've already alluded to it, but. Big, big week now coming up for the Elgin yep, Assembleton. Two league games at home. So firstly, we entertain Northampton on Tuesday, the 21st of January in a rearranged game from earlier in the season. Northampton Town, as we mentioned, they're six in League Two. They beat Morecambe at home 4-1 on Saturday, <coughs> scoring for fun. Although we did go there and turn them over in November. So we did beat them away 1-0. And they do concede goals, according to a Northampton Town podcast, who have been DMing us. So that is a game which hopefully will get something out of. And this is followed up by a visit from Newport County on Saturday, 25th of January. They're 11th in League 2. They had a very, very good win yesterday against the Swindon Town team. Beat Swindon at home 
2 0. Not a little dropping a couple of points late. I think they've had a couple of defeats. Suffering there. from Dortmund. It's, it's just watching the goals from both of their games yesterday, it's not the two teams you really want to be playing next. No, especially in Northampton, really finding form with four Clinical. goals past the Morgan. If you're Keith Cole, you're saying go there, get an early goal, shut their fans up. And, and Nicky Adams play. is bound to score. Yeah, probably. It's only get his bound to like score. 40 odd now. He's just been, been around, around for, for a long years. time. Nothing wrong with being 40, is no, it? He <laughs> just seems to have been around for years. Japanese bloke who's 52 still playing. Okay. So I think we can all agree those two games, they are vital games. and Not know, in England, obviously. No, we need to get behind those boys and support them. And if you see us in or around the ground, or even see Adam around the ground, why not come and say hello? Give us an oi oi. Tell Adam how well we've done on the podcast. We believe he's <laughs> now heading to finer green pastures and is leaving us in the south stand to go and sit in the gallery. Adam, how could you do it? Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> doing Hang it for family back. reasons and just so that I behave myself a little bit more um, at a game. So I'll have to be saved myself because if I carry on the way I do in the south stand, I'll be thrown out of the ground in the gallery. So. <laughs> so on that strong endorsement of yourself, don't forget for the best plastering and rendering prices and it around. it is the best plastering as well. Yeah, uh, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook. Big ads, LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and rendering needs. If you're having a new kitchen done, if you're having the house redecorated, if you're having new ceilings done, your house outside of it done... Adam is your man. Thank you. So thank you for your sponsorship. It is appreciated. Absolutely. It's so that's a pleasure to do it. Yeah, one hour, 32. That is it for episode 205. Yeah. So Ross has made some moves in the transfer market, looking to reshape our squad, but the loss to Port Vale was only emphasising the need for more high-calibre reinforcements, with many fans now generally concerned that our form as we slide down the table towards those dangerous relegation zones, as teams at the bottom now seem to be picking up points to add to all our anxiety as the team's formation seems to be the biggest question mark, with many fans asking, are we getting the most out of this squad? A big week coming up for the O's, with two home games that see us play against two informed teams, pushing at the right end of the table. And as always, we do need to play our part by backing the team and cheering them on from all the stands, making sure Brisbane Road is the fortress it needs to become, giving Ross and the team the confidence to push on to get the vital wins that we need. We're going to be back with episode 206, all being well, next week with all the information, news and views that you could ever need. Yeah, if you listen on iTunes, please subscribe. Give our podcast a review. No new reviews this week coming in, so please Shocking. give us a review on iTunes. And if you listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, tune in to Stitcher, add us to your favourites, and that way you'll have all the podcasts available as soon as they are uploaded. We are also on all smart speakers, so if you've got one for Christmas or a recent birthday, you can listen to your favourite podcast on those. And if you have an older relative, a loved one, an Orient chum, anyone who you think might like this podcast, grab their phone and download it for them and pass the pod. Adam, it's been a pleasure. Second appearance on the podcast. We will definitely get you back uh, before the season ends and hopefully better times ahead for the Orient. Thanks for having me. And we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, have a great week, support the team, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.